Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 56 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this week's episode is titled How to Pack a Backpack. Now, if you've been hiking for a while, chances are you already know how to correctly pack your backpack, but maybe you don't. And in fact, there is no one correct way, but rather a series of principles that you apply to achieve the best outcome for you as an individual. This podcast discusses these principles and will hopefully provide you with enough knowledge to successfully assemble your pack in a way that's comfortable and workable for you. In addition, we have a written version of this podcast uh, that has a series of images that shows you the different sections uh, of equipment that fit into my backpack and and a system that works for me. Uh, And this will give you a starting point to work with. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, there really is no one single way for you to pack your pack. When you think about it, there are so many different hundreds of models and brands of of backpack on the market. Uh, Every individual that wears a pack is a different shape. Every set of packing or every set of equipment that you put into your pack is going to be different from your fellow hiker. So really, if you go online and do a search on how to pack a backpack, you will come up with literally hundreds of different articles, uh, all offering different suggestions of ways of how to do this. And as I said, the aim of this podcast is really to go through and talk to you, not so much about saying there is only one way to do this, but it's to talk about the basic principles of packing. Hopefully this will give you a way uh, to assemble your pack that will work for you. As an example of this, most hikers you see on the trail will pack their shelter or their tent inside their pack itself, uh, and you tend not to see it. My personal preference is to actually put it in the loose, flexible pocket that uh, is present on a lot of the packs these days, uh, and I tend to stuff this in without the actual uh, packing, uh, small pack that comes with the tent itself. Um, It does tend to make my pack look a bit pregnant, but I just find it's a system that works well for me. So what this means is uh, that when I go through and choose a backpack, this is one of the considerations I tend to think about. And if you're wondering why you would even um, bother to do that, um, it's... It's handy when you're, you stop and you need to get your tent out quickly. And also, um, if it's a bit damp or a bit wet in the morning when you pack it away, you can get it out when you have a break and you can put it in the sun and dry it out. So it is quite a uh, convenient and um, also um, sensible, we, we think, um, way of carrying a tent. Now, we discussed choosing a backpack in episode 43 of the Australian Holiday Piker podcast. So if you are in the market for a new uh, new pack, uh, have a listen to that and read the written article that's associated with that as well. One thing I would say that purchasing a new pack, particularly if this is your first time, comes after you know what equipment you're going to be putting into it. So in some respects, knowing how to pack your pack and what goes into your pack is the first step 
purchasing or choosing a pack is the second step that comes after that. Which is not very helpful, really, is it? <laughs> no. So, I mean, yeah, if, if you've got an opportunity to borrow a pack from a friend uh, to see what it's like, um, that's the, one of the best ways to go through and do things. Um, but sometimes you don't have that luxury uh, and you've just got to rely on, uh, on going into the stores and getting advice. Now, in that's, that respect, um, you need to have some indication of what size pack you need. It's no good having a pack that is well is only half full. Um, it's, it's not going to be very stable. You're carrying extra weight. So, again, knowing what goes into your pack and how it fits into your pack it will dictate uh, your choice of pack in some respect. Now, as I said, there tends to be a common set of principles for when you go through and pack your pack. Uh, and these tend to be principles that most hikers around the world will follow, uh, although it's, again, as I said, it's the small, fiddly little bits around the edges that make the difference between individual hikers. Now, these principles are pack the less used lighter gear on the bottom of the pack. And this includes things like your sleep system, so your sleeping mat, your sleeping pad, uh, and, your sleeping, uh, uh, and your sleeping bag liner, if you do use one. I also tend to pack my stove system here as well uh, because for me, I only use a stove on a hike in the morning and at the evening at the campsite. So it's not something I tend to get out during the middle of the day, so I don't need to have quick access to it. The next thing to look at is pack the heavy gear close to the centre of your back. Uh, and this includes the water as far as you can, so water bladder, and the bulk of your food because that's the thing that's going to add most to your weight. The other thing is pack the most frequently used gear on top. So this includes things like, if you imagine you're going, going through a day and the weather changes, it gets hotter or colder, and you need to put something away or you need to get a, 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 a jumper or a, a jacket out, you want to be able to just open the lid of your pack up, pull that piece of clothing out fairly quickly without having to rifle through right down the bottom of your pack to pull stuff out. Uh, and this also includes wet weather gear as well. Uh, so you can install your wet weather gear on the outside of the pack. Um, I will do that if it look, looks like it's about to rain, but usually I'll have my wet weather gear just inside of the pack. And I'll talk a bit more about how I, I put that together in a moment. One of the things you need to consider is um, y your actual size. So, you know, Tim can stack a lot more gear on top of each other um, in his pack because uh, he's got a longer torso. I, I've got a relatively short torso, so um, my pack needs to be squatter and perhaps a little bit wider um, to accommodate the size. And again, this is all about keeping um, the, the, the weight, um, you know, evenly uh, positioned and also positioned central to your back. Okay, so before we actually talk about packing itself, the other consideration we want to look at as part of the packing process is waterproofing. The last thing you want at the end of the day if you're overnight hiking is a wet sleeping bag or a wet change of clothes. Uh, and for me, given the amount of electronics that I carry due to my blogging and podcasting, I tend to go overboard on the, uh, the waterproofing. Now, when I talk about waterproofing, I'm not talking about going swimming with gear. Um, I'm talking about uh, torrential downpours, not full submersion. Now, certainly um, my pack 
will cope with falling into the water, but I want to be retrieving it fairly quickly uh, and not leaving it sitting there. Otherwise, the electronics is going to get damaged and all my gear that I'm expecting to stay dry with at the end of the day and warm uh, is not going to be particularly helpful. Now, there are a couple of options for waterproofing your pack. And the first one is a pack liner. And the best way to think about this is a bag that goes inside your backpack, uh, which all your gear goes in. Now, coming back to pack choice and pack selection, there are really a couple of main types of packs on the market. And there are more than that, but certainly the, the ones you tend to see most often will be a single uh, cavity or a single opening on the top of the pack. Uh, and you get all you put all your gear into your pack through the one opening and you take all your gear out from that opening. In that respect, having a single bag, which all the gear goes into, is fine. A number of packs on the market, and particularly some of the more popular packs, will often have a, a separate additional opening down the bottom. And the idea with this is it means you can get your sleeping bag and your, uh, your stuff that you're not using as common, commonly out from the bottom of the pack without having to unpack the whole pack um, uh, at the end of the day. Um, I do own one pack that's, or in fact, I own two packs that are like that, but certainly my, my, my main pack that I tend to use uh, has that single opening on top. What this means if you do have this dual entry pack, um, you either need to me, you either need to store uh, things like the, the sleeping bag and the sleep system outside of a pack liner, or you have a separate pack liner that just has this equipment down the bottom. Choice is yours, um, but as I said, my personal preference is to have a, a single cavity in the pack itself. Pack liners, when you go through and choose a pack liner for your pack, and again, I'll give you a good example here. I've got a, a, a 51 litre sized pack at the moment, and that's the volume of the pack. Um, and I could actually get a 50 litre pack liner, but what this would mean is uh, when I go through to and fill up my pack fully, uh, I've got no way to actually properly close the pack liner to get a reasonably good waterproof seal. So for me, for my 51-litre pack, I have a 70-litre pack liner, and that allows me a bit of extra space. It's not so tight. I can get a good roll on that pack uh, liner to get a good seal and minimise any chance of water getting into the pack itself. The other advantage with having a bigger pack liner as well um, Jill and I did the uh, Larapenta Trail in 2016, uh, and at one of the campsites, we woke up the next morning, there had been some strong winds, and the entire inside of the tent, uh, <laughs> the entire outside of the tent, uh, all our equipment, including us, were all covered in this fine red dust. Uh, and we actually talked to some other hikers uh, the following day who were at a different campsite who had exactly the same problem. Uh, now, in this situation, Jill had a her pack inside her pack liner, uh, which I didn't do. Uh, so she had less of an issue with having this fine layer of dust through a lot of the clothing uh, than I did. So uh, if you're in a situation where there's strong winds and very fine dust, sometimes it's just as easy to uh, take the pack liner out of the inside of the pack, put the whole pack in there and just to keep it protected and covered. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. Uh, funny enough, I actually did that because I heard that there were lots of mice on on the trail, and I hate mice. Um, I didn't see a mouse, um, but it certainly helped with the dust. The second option with waterproofing is a pack cover. Now, pack covers are a 
probably the best way to think of this is half a plastic bag that goes on the outside of your pack. Um, now, this will protect the exposed section of the pack uh, from rain and water entering into the pack itself. The the issue with pack liners, if, if the rain is torrential uh, and is bucketing down for long periods, the water is going to run down your back, uh, whether you've got a, a rain gear on or not, um, and uh, run down your back and will soak in through the pack, through the, uh, the, the, the piece of the pack that's actually sitting against your back. So it's not as good a waterproofing option. But having said that, again, because of the electronics that I carry, I do carry a pack liner as well as a uh, pack cover, uh, which is a bit of overkill. Most people I tend to see who are hiking will often use pack covers only. Uh, but as, as I said, I use end up using both just to provide that extra bit of protection. The same issue applies with pack liners and pack covers in that if you have a 50-litre pack, Choosing a 50-litre cover is fine unless you pack your tent the same way I do. So as I said, putting the pe- stuffing the tent in the outside pocket, uh, which makes my pack look a bit pregnant, and I have got an image of this on the, uh, on the website, um, means I need a pack that cover that suits uh, a 70-litre pack rather than a 50-litre pack. And that just provides that bit of extra protection over, overall. Yeah, I've got one that... Um uh, suits the pack size uh, that I have, and it's just a bit, just a bit small. And uh, if there's a bit of, bit of wind and uh, the rain is blowing in all sorts of different directions, um, the uh, part of the back that's closest to me, uh, closest to my back, gets a bit damp as well. Okay, now, as far as the packing order goes, as I said, um, this is an example of what I do. And again, as I said, it's not the only way to do things, but it, it works on the principle that, that we've talked about. Uh, and I find that it's, a, it, it's, it's, a, it's the way I've been packing for the last few years, and it works well for what I do. So as I said, my, my current pack is a 51-litre capacity pack. It has a single entry point in through the top. It also has a pack brain, which is the, the, the lid uh, that has a, a, a separate pocket on top. Now, I find I can comfortably get all my equipment for a seven-day, three-season trip. And what, we, what I mean by three-season is this is not a snow trip into this pack. Uh, and my gear goes into the pack in the following order. Hydration bladder first. Now, some of the more modern packs these days will have hydration pockets uh, outside the pack itself. But I find that with these packs, when you fully load the pack on the inside, it makes it very difficult to get the pack, uh, to get the bladder from an external um, uh, pocket. So for me, the uh, the bladder always goes in first with the, the, the chosen amount of water. From there, the pack liner. And then I go through and put my first layer, which goes on the very bottom of my pack. And this includes my sleeping bag, my sleeping mat, my sleeping bag liner, and a jet boil stove as well. Now, some individuals may not be able to do this. It really does depend on the size uh, and um, capacity of the equipment, if you like. So my sleeping bag is quite small. Uh, I'm currently using a uh, Cedar Summit 
a micro two sleeping bag and it packs down to something quite tiny. But if you've got a larger, bulkier sleeping bag, you may have to do a bit of rearranging or may have to get a bigger pack uh, than, than what I'm using through here. Yeah, I do have a, a larger sleeping bag and um, I have to position my sleeping bag slightly differently to uh, what Tim does and um, it does leave a little bit of um, sort of empty space on either end but then I just look for small things to stuff in those corners. Now that first layer that I just talked about for me that I can get that all in one layer on the bottom of the pack uh, because my gear is fairly lightweight, fairly compact and it'll fit in quite comfortably. The second layer is food. And as I said, I am cake, I'm able to get seven, la- seven days worth of food into the second, the second layer. Uh, this, again, is going to depend on how much food you carry, how much cooking gear you carry, and how much, uh, how much um, uh, cooking you tend to do on the trail. Uh, I tend to use dehydrated food that relies on boiling water or dehydrated food that often rely on, on even cold water. So I don't need no, to. No, <laughs> we're not doing that again. <laughs> and I suppose by that I mean things like porridge and things like that okay, as well. Okay. So <laughs> I, I still do like having warm meals. So again, that, that food goes in on top. Layer number three uh, is my clothing and first aid kit. Uh, and I'll talk about the how I put this in inside or organize this in, in a moment. Layer number four is the wet weather gear. Now, this wet weather gear will go outside my pack liner. And what this means is if I get caught short and I don't get my rain gear on in time because I've been paying attention, um, all I've got to do is open up the pack lid, pull the wet weather gear out. I'm not exposing all my dry gear um, uh, to, uh, to the rain if I do get caught out. And then layer number five, which is the equipment that goes into the pack brain. And as I said, um, I've got a, a batch of equipment that most of you probably won't be carrying uh, because I do podcasts. Uh, so I've got my podcasting equipment uh, in the in the pack brain, which is, makes it very easy to get to. Um, but I also include things like my accessories, so compass, multi-tool, my battery pack for, pack for expended, extended trips, charging cables, and all the little, little bits and pieces like that that go in there. Toiletries. Um, lunch for the day, which I've taken out and uh, so I don't have to go back into my food during the daytime, um, my personal locator beacon, and my spoon for eating lunch. Um, most pack brains will have a, a little zip pocket on the inside of the brain, and this is where I keep my keys and my wallet, and if I've got, if I happen to be overseas, my passport as well. So it's, it's inside the pack, it's secure, it's waterproof and dry. Then I talked about the large stretch pocket on the outside of the pack, and this is where I put my shelter or tent, um, and that'll be all, all the uh, uh, both the, the the poles, the the um, uh, tent pegs, uh, and all the the material pieces of the tent, and that's a two person tent, so uh, I can comfortably get all that equipment into this stretch pocket quite easily. I also mentioned the trowel. Um, now, I do carry a trowel on all trips that I do. Um, I have do know some people that, that don't use the trowel, uh, that'll actually use the heel of their boot uh, to uh, try and dig a hole for when they need to go to the toilet. 
Works well if you've got nice soft soil. Um, doesn't work on the Larapinta Trail where it takes you 15 minutes to dig a <laughs> hole uh, with, a, with a trowel. Uh, so it's the sort of thing when you're hiking on the Larapinta Trail, you do actually um, uh, pre-prepare your hole. You don't Plan ahead. <laughs> you don't want to be don't really doing it in a hurry. Um, so the, the trail actually, um, I've actually got a little carabiner that clips onto one of the external um, uh, cables. Uh, and that just goes inside with the tent as well. So it's easy to get to in a hurry if we need to. Then we've got the side pockets that are present on just about all packs. Uh, and for me, I don't tend to use these a lot. I don't carry water bottles. Uh, as I said, I carry a bladder. Uh, and I'll have a cup in one side uh, and my pack cover in the other. And that's pretty much about it. Occasionally, if I know that I will be cooking on the trail during the daytime, I will put my stove there. Uh, my jet boil stove will fit into the, 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 these pockets quite comfortably, um, but that's usually not a, a common thing that I tend to do. Then we come down to the smaller pockets, so the hip belt pockets, uh, and I am a big fan of hip belt pockets on packs, uh, and this is where I keep my snacks for the day. Um, if it's needed, I'll carry the bug net that goes over my head, uh, and things like chapstick as well. And the hand sanitizer. Uh, now, I tend to do something slightly different with a hand sanitizer. So I've got a couple of small shoulder strap pockets, and that's where my hand sanitizer goes, uh, as well as the GPS. I've got a smallish GPS, and it fits quite comfortably there, and it's fairly easy to get out. The only other packing consideration which really doesn't relate to the backpack is things like the, my camera and my phone. And these, uh, I've got a small camera, and my phone is a typical sort of phone, these go into the leg pockets of my uh, my pants. Um, if I really need to, if the weather's wet, um, I've put my uh, long uh, wet weather pants on and they're protected inside my pants under the wet weather gear. That's more the general principles or the general packing order I put these things in. And this is where a lot of people will differ about how they actually put things together. Some people will just put all their gear in. They'll, they'll loose pack their clothes. They'll loose pack their sleeping bag. Uh, everything is separate. Um, the advantage of doing this is you get to use basically every square centimeter of space within your pack. Um, it means that you've got no air spaces. You can probably fit a bit more in if you do loose packing. Um, and um, um, the disadvantage of this system is if you've got everything just stuffed into there, even if you've got it in, in a rough order, it means if you go fishing through all your gear to get stuff out. My personal preference is to use packing cells, um, and that helps to keep everything together. And again, I've got some images of the packing cells that I use uh, on the website uh, when I go through and hike. But I will loose pack the first layer, uh, but my clothing goes into one pack, uh, my electronics go into a pack and my podcasting equipment uh, will also go into another pack. Some people say that, oh, look, these packing cells are just additional weight. I think my combined packing cells amounts to around about 80 grams. So it's not a particularly uh, big impost. Uh, and if you were to put these things into large Ziploc bags, the weight is almost identical uh, because the material I, uh, uh, that uh, is used in my packing cells is so light um, that it's really not much different. One of the disadvantages with using large Ziploc bags is they have a limited life. Uh, it's much easier to put a hole in these bags. 
Um, I do use the large Ziploc bags for food. It means I can see what's in there. There's a bit more flexibility to be able to not squash, but to be able to sort of maneuver stuff into the pack and, and get it get it done quite easily. And you also have a, um, a sealable rubbish bag as well um, when you get to that point as well, so you don't end up with um, having to carry out messy food. On the packing cells, you know, I think for me it's just a matter of practicality. Everybody's, you know, reached into a bag of any kind, an overnight bag, a suitcase, a handbag, a, you know, uh, a gym bag, whatever it is, and, and that one small thing that you were looking for you can't find and you think you've lost, um, and then you discover it, you know, weeks later it's actually there but it's just stuck in a little corner or something. So I think the packing cells do provide a bit of practicality and a bit of a better opportunity to locate the thing that you're looking for when you need it. Now, with these packing cells, as I said, they're color coded. So during the daytime, I know that if I, if I see a particular color bag, I know exactly what's in there. During nighttime, the packing cells have fluoro uh, uh, little zip uh, pulls on them, uh, and that's which is actually quite bright. I even even in the middle of the night, there's enough fluorescent uh, power left in these things from from the daytime. You can you can quite easily spot them just by looking at for the little zipper pulls. Uh, so again, it's it's something I do recommend, and it's something I do like to use. And they will last for for quite a few years. I've, the current ones I've I've had for two years now, and they're in, they look like they're brand new. One thing um, we really need to talk about through here is the external attachment points. Most packs will have clips and hooks and um, the ability to put uh, to hook on things like hiking poles or an ice axe or any number of other bits of equipment uh, on the outside of the pack. Um, I'm not a fan of having things hanging off the outside of the pack. Um, I don't. I use a uh, very lightweight inflatable sleeping mat, which means that I don't have um, a lightweight but bulky sleeping mat on the outside. I um, uh, don't tend to like having things hanging off the pack because if, if, if you're going through fairly dense, scrubby bush, you'll often end up getting things caught on it. Um, we did a hike uh, a few years ago in Namanjee National Park, which is one of the Alps National Parks, and we had another uh, pair of hikers ahead of us who had metal uh, plates, metal cups. Every pot uh, and pan. Every pot could... and pan. <laughs> and they sounded like a tinker in the old days, or they were just banging and rattling their way through a wilderness area where you like to have a bit of peace and quiet because everything was, was loose uh, on the outside of the pack. So... I like to have a fairly streamlined, fairly quiet sort of pack. Um, again, this is personal preference. I know people tend to like using these things. And as I said, the only thing that hangs off my pack is the trowel, but it's tucked inside a pocket. So it only hangs off the pack just so it doesn't fall off. Uh, and that, again, as I said, that's, that's, that's it. I do have a, a folding um, sleeping mat. Um, I'm using at the moment. Uh, probably haven't worked out the best place to put it on the outside of my pack, so still experimenting with that. Um, it does seem a little bit bulky and a little bit sort of um, uh, odd. Uh, I do stick it in the, the stretch pocket on the outside and then I've got a, a little bit of an extension cord that um, connects it to the top of my pack. So 
you know, it works, but uh, probably not ideal. Now, one thing I'd say here is have a play, particularly when you get a new pack, you've got to go through and work out your packing system all over again. Uh, and it may stay exactly the same, but it's rare you'll ever have it, get two packs that are exactly the same. Um, if you don't pack your pack correctly, what tends to happen is it becomes lopsided. So when you're talking about packing a pack, it wants to be balanced. And by balanced, it doesn't have to look square and neat, uh, although I try and get it that way as far as I can, but it really needs to have the weight uh, evenly distributed. So if you're standing there and you've got all the straps adjusted evenly and you feel like you're leaning to one side because you've packed all the weight on one side, or if you've packed it high, so as an example, if you put all the heavy stuff on top of your pack, it's going to pull you backwards and be very uncomfortable. So really it's a matter of having a play uh, and what I would suggest, particularly if you're going on a major trip um, and you've got a lot of new equipment, is to do a shakedown hike. And this is something we've talked about in previous podcasts, um, uh, doing shakedown hikes, uh, particularly when you're re-gearing. And, and in my case, um, I'll be doing a um, an extended trip later on this year. Um, I'll have a lot of new gear, uh, and as a result, I'll be uh, working on uh, a, a packing a new packing plan that may or may not resemble what I've got at the moment based on whether I get a new pack, a new tent, and everything else that, that, that I need for this trip. Okay, so really, as the final word on this is, there, as I said, there is no one way to pack your backpack. Um, but what I would say is get into developing a system that works for you um, and meets your needs and continually go through and pack the same way. And if you find that something's not quite working, do it a bit of an adjustment, see how things go. Don't do a wholesale change every time. Uh, just adjust one, one or two small things, see what difference it does make. Um, as I said, from um, over the last few years, I've been progressively dropping weight, getting lighter weight uh, and higher quality gear. Uh, that's reduced the weight and it's also reduced the bulk as well, which has made things much easier from a packing process. You can buy uh, a cheaper gear, but cheaper gear typically means bulkier, which means will often mean a bigger or uh, and a heavier pack. Yeah, I think um, that guidance around um, trialing and coming up with a system that suits you is is important. There are two things about this. One is that that it needs to be comfortable. So, you know, really think about the the weight against your back and how that's positioned. Um, and the other one is if you pack your um, backpack in a consistent way each time once you've got the system sorted, um, y you'll pretty you know it'll be pretty rare that you forget something. Um, because you just get into a routine of this goes in this and there it is and, and where's the next piece and where's the next piece. So, you know, the, the chances of you leaving something behind inadvertently, um, start to fall away and start to reduce dramatically. One thing we have done, which will hopefully make it a bit easier, is if you go online uh, and there'll be a link in the show notes as well as the written article to a, a packing list uh, on how, uh, so just as a, a bit of a checklist, particularly when you're starting to hike, um, uh, so you make sure you don't forget anything. Okay, that's all for how to pack a backpack. We hope, hope this has been helpful to you. Okay, now next week's episode 
is uh, an interview is, a, is our second bonus episode for February. Uh, normally, we don't do two bonus episodes in a month, but uh, it's just the opportunity presented itself. Uh, and this is an interview with Canberra dietitian and nutritionist Feed Inc. And we'll be talking to Lisa from Feed Inc. about um, nutrition, particularly on extended or longer hikes. Now, most of us will be able to quite comfortably get away with a few days and eat just about anything. But when you're doing a two, three, four, five, six-week hike, um, it's very important that you get the nutrition right. Uh, And certainly, I found in interviewing Lisa that I learned a lot that I just hadn't even considered. Um, And Lisa, um, if you listen to the next podcast, Lisa has actually made quite a generous offer um, as far as offering advice. Uh, so if you go to the show notes on this next podcast or listen to the next podcast, we'll talk about what that is. Okay, that's all for this week. We hope you've enjoyed. Um, as usual, this podcast is available for download through our website, through SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. And if you have the ability, please go through and rate us on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.